Hello, and welcome to the Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. We're committed to creating a thriving community of accounting professionals who are physically and mentally healthy, fulfilled, and energized by their work. Our ultimate goal is to elevate the reputation of the accounting profession and vastly improve the lives of those in it. The Unique CPA is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Tatiana Sawyer. Uh, Tatiana is a CPA, MBA, award-winning accountant, best-selling author. We're going to talk about her book, I think, some today. She's a speaker, a business expert. She's a strong believer that the key to happiness lies in entrepreneurship, which, which I think is awesome. She encourages, empowers entrepreneurship and the side hustle at every age. Uh, over the last 18 plus years, she's used her expertise in tax planning and price psychology, another topic we'll talk about today, to help hundreds of businesses become more profitable, stabilize cash flow, pay less in taxes. Through a combination of strategies, which are always fun to talk about, operational planning, which she'll have fun talking about, that's not my expertise, uh, and the commitment to excellent. Uh, Tatiana now focuses on supporting individuals and building a business that changes lives, including their own. And she is about to record, I think, uh, or present two TEDx talks. So we'll have to talk about that as well. Tatiana, welcome to the Unique CPA. <laughs> Randy, thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. I, it's You're into so many things and uh, helping so many people out there. We've, we've been talking about doing this for months and I'm glad we uh, finally got the date set. So to kind of set the stage, why don't you give us a little background on you? Let's hear your story, and then and then we'll see how you got to this point where you're you've got this passion for helping businesses. Yeah, it's been a, a well, it was a rocky road. It's actually much better now. But I started out. So I grew up in a different in another country. I grew up in. I actually was born in the Soviet Union. I grew up in Belarus, and I moved to the U.S. when I was nineteen. So this year, it's actually going to be. 20 years since I moved to the U.S., so most of my life I've lived here. And ever since I remember, ever since I was 14, I wanted to be a lawyer. It was really my big passion. And um, I've watched all episodes of Law and Order mm. when I was a kid. And I still watch them because I love Mr. McCoy and, and stuff. Anyway, um, but, you know, I, when I came to the U.S., so I went to law school for two years in, in Belarus, and that's a five-year program. So it's kind of like a combination of undergrad and grad. Yep. And when I came to the U.S., circumstances worked out that I stayed here and I didn't finish education there and all of that. And so I went to college, I transferred some credits, and I still had the goal of attending law school in the U.S., but it, it is a grad degree. And so I needed to get my bachelor's first. And because I was here... By myself, I needed to support myself financially. So when time came to choose a major, um, even though law schools supposedly frowned upon accounting, I still decided to do accounting because I thought, okay, I need some skill to support me. Um, and accounting is a great skill for that. And you can, and I could support my, myself through college and then through law school and in between. And so I picked accounting. Uh, which I think, by the way, you know, law schools frowning upon accounting, I think is short-sighted, but oh, that's yeah. another conversation. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got lucky because I went to Hunter College, and um, it's one of the CUNY City University of New York system. And Hunter is generally known as a nursing school, but the accounting department is extremely strong, and there were really great teachers, and they brainwashed us where... <laughs> 
every class they would say, if you're majoring in accounting, you might as well sit for the CPA exam. And I thought, hmm, I might as well. So, <laughs> so that kind of became a goal, you know, an accomplishment goal from, for me. And somewhere, because I was working, I was working with small businesses, four or five businesses at a time doing bookkeeping and going to college, taking five, six classes. I really, you know, I learned the theory in school and I applied it next day at work. And so for me, it was an instant connection. And I saw how decisions were made and saw how leaders were becoming better or worse. You know, I saw a different caliber people that I worked with and seeing kind of how their decisions back to their business and their lives. And somewhere along the way, I fell in love with small business and the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what brought me to where I am. And about in 2018, I got the runner-up award from Intuit Firm of the Future. And that kind of prompted me to get trained in proactive tax strategies. And that quadrupled my business, reduced the amount of time I actually work and all of those things. And so I was able to raise my own kids, which is what I wanted, which I initially, when I initially left the firm I used to work for. And then, you know, over the years, I've gotten to a point, which is where traditional accountants get to where you work a lot and you neglect your family. And my, my kids used to say, mommy always works. And that was the opposite of what I wanted. Yes. So that's kind of how I got into all of that. And now I do a lot of other things, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. So you figured it out. That's one thing we talk about all the time on this podcast. Just, hey, how do we not work nonstop? How do we have lives with our families? And so that's cool. That's I could talk for the next two hours just on that. Um, but the one thing we did talk about uh, ahead of time is that, and I think is a interesting subject is, you know, and we said in your bio though, the price psychology, you know, pricing methodology, pricing in general, and that's a topic you're passionate about. So why don't you give us a little background on, on why and, and what we're talking about with pricing psychology? So in 2019, when I joined the uh, proactive tax reduction and I joined also um, Jackie Myers and Chuck Bowers, a concierge accountant group, uh, was at the same time. At the same time, I also joined Mark Wickersham's Price Psychology Training, and uh, it was mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. And it really, I think, it really played a role in how quickly I was able to double and then triple and then quadruple my business, because I really worked on the pricing on developing packages, which is something that Chuck and Jackie briefly teach, meaning. They tell you to develop your packages um, and they kind of show you some examples, but you're on your own in terms of why this needs to be done that way or how to actually do it. And that's where price psychology comes in. And so when I did that, you know, it took me about two years to perfect my packages. I've tried different things and I've kind of, you know, shot myself in the foot for uh, for a second <laughs> with with some of those. But thankfully, only probably one client stayed on one of those initial packages that I've developed. And the price psychology piece is just so amazing. Price psychology is about how people make buying decisions based on price alone. I mean, obviously we make buying decisions on based on different things, but price is one of them. And so price psychology explores how those decisions are made and how you as a business can use price psychology to allow clients to really pick or compare apples to apples so that they see the value as opposed to choose just based on price and stuff like that. And so it took me about two years. I started out with, you know, Price Psychology talks about the menu pricing, which is um, three packages. And the reason, like three tier. Yeah. And the reason that there are three packages is because if you do two, you're kind of pigeonholing a person into a yes or no. 
mostly they will choose no because they're like, I don't know what to choose. I'm, I'm stuck. And so they end up not choosing at all. When it's more than three, it's also a problem because then it's too many options. Like, and you know, and our, um, you and I are connected through um, tax counsel and, um, you know, software companies. Mark presented this information many, many years ago at a QuickBooks Connect. And I remember that one of the payroll providers that was at that event as well quickly changed and presented their most expensive package first, which is how you should do it. Because if you present the benefits, if you present the price, the client says, okay, what's the point of presenting the, the other ones? Why give them a chance to, to pick a lower option? And also, when you present it from left to right, biggest to smallest, when you start taking away benefits, it has a very profound psychological effect where you're all people are loss averse. And so when you start losing benefits, it's, it's, very, it's a much more powerful effect mm-hmm. than when you add benefits to it. And so basically, when it's more than three, the person is confused. So like Intuit it has four subscriptions on their website. And yes, they do highlight the most popular whatever plus or whatever version. But um, when it's four, you're like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to choose. So people end up not choosing at all. They're confused and overwhelmed. And uh, or they just choose the cheapest one, which is usually the case. And then so three is optimal. And there's been studies and and all of those things um, on that um, to prove that three is optimal. And then again, you're presenting your biggest option first, then your middle package, and then your bottom package. The uh, statistics says that 60% of people will buy your middle package. And for an accounting business, for example, what it tells you is that you have to create good value in the middle package and also price it with your target profit in mind. So because you're going to be selling mostly that package, and that's true, certainly true for my business. And, and there's been, again, studies done on that and stuff like that. But here's the thing. To generally, accounting firms have one offer, right? Um, and, and it's usually custom. Like, I'm sitting down with a client. I'm telling them a price. Oh, it's too much. Okay, can you pay this? Or, okay, I'm not the right accountant for you, that kind of stuff. And so the idea is that, you know, if you imagine the d- demand and supply curves intersecting, and that's the equilibrium price, that's generally the price that accountants offer, uh, one price. But there are areas... Um, on that graph where there's an opportunity. There will always be people who will want an all-inclusive resort. There will always be people who really want to work with you but can't afford your main offer. And so if you can create a three-level offer, then you will get a higher market share than you otherwise would have. And so that's really powerful. And then, you know, for me, I struggled most with... um, developing the cheapest option. And that should be kind of like your walkaway price, your walkaway service. Initially, when I just started out in 20, early 2019, so that's four years ago, what I did was I um, decided, okay, this package is going to be only a tax return and maybe not a notice response and stuff. Because people, you know, if you don't outline, people think it's included and then you end up doing it for free, which is true for right. most accountants. Yep. And so I did that, but then I started getting people who were, again, $2,000 clients a year, and they were emailing me through, throughout the year, and I was like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to like charge them, or I feel bad for charging them, and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, you get into this rabbit hole of, of an experience uh, if you don't price it out well. And so I actually stopped that, and I decided I'm not going to take on clients who are just tax returns. And so the minimum service that I now offer, my firm now offers is, you. well, first of all, it's we do your bookkeeping. 
for the business. We don't take on only individual clients. You have to have an investment or real estate or a lot of different things um, in order for us to actually take it on. So some some good complexity or a business. And so generally, the my, my basic package includes one tax return for personal, one tax return for the business, monthly bookkeeping, um, and then also um, notice response. Um, and that's it. And basically, uh, quarterly tax meets, even though I don't meet on calendar quarters, I usually meet with people in May, um, um, September, November, and December. So four meets and four basically kind of projection reviews together. So I prepare for those projections. Uh, we meet and discuss things. We adjust things and we kind of make payments and, and whatnot. And so that's kind of the basic service that I do. And um, I just don't accept anybody who just needs their taxes done. I think that's awesome to define your client because so many people, especially when they're starting out in, in business in the, in accounting and tax bookkeeping, just want to take everybody because I want the revenue. I want this client. And then they end up just getting this practice that is just all over the place and they don't they can't concentrate on one type of service or like you you have and and i know you and i had a back and forth on niche before you have a niche <laughs> you just defined a niche right there um you know so whether you know it or not you in my mind you have a niche um it's the client has to have complexity they have to you know you know maybe be business owner they have to be yeah yeah and what you said it's not 1040 only so they're business owner or rental properties or something so yeah i i think that's awesome when you define then when you did your pricing structure you put this together you had the psychology behind it um you said you were working you know crazy hours the kids weren't uh seeing mom i assume that this made you a lot more efficient too you probably were better at scheduling how, how did that affect the bottom line i guess from a profitability standpoint and from a time investment standpoint so i mean this is where chuck bowers training really helped me and really transformed me and uh, of course it didn't it wasn't an instant flip switch right. um it took a little time again just like with price psychology it took a little time for me to nail the nail it to perfection to make it work for me. But before I'll just give you kind of like a rundown of before I started those things, I had a hundred hundred something clients was making about 120 K a year. Couldn't afford much, meaning that we were just paying our bills and, you know, but I wasn't working a lot. I was working during tax season. I was working five, seven days a week. Right. Off season. I was working four or five and my problem was this. I like, let's say summer, my kids would go to daycare after age of three. Before that, they would stay at home. My mom would help out, but they would go to daycare. And then during the summer, the two, three months in the summer, we would spend together and we would like take day trips to a farm or a museum or something. And so this was really great time for me to reconnect with them. And really, I really value that connection with my kids. Mm -hmm. And this one year, this was 2018, this one year, I uh, first of all, I got a project that was a good money project and because I needed the money. So I took on that project. And I also, you know, these clients that pay you a couple of thousand a year, oh, uh, I need to have a meeting with you. Um, when can you do it? And I look at my calendar and it's open because, you know, it's the summer. So <laughs> I'm not scheduling my work or anything like that. And 
I'm looking at it and I'm like, when do you want to do it? So they would say Wednesday at 12 and I would say, okay. And then uh, another client would be a Thursday and then another client would be a Friday and a Monday and a Tuesday. So I would have something that I'm pinned to my desk every day of the week. And so that summer I didn't spend as much time with the kids and it was, I was really upset about it, but it was my own fault and my own making. Mm-hmm. And basically when I joined Chuck's um, and Jackie's program, Chuck teaches you on calendar blocking and stuff. And, you know, at first I started blocking the calendar, meaning I would say, okay, Mondays from 10 to 12, I'll do X, Y, and Z to 12 to one. I'll have, I'll have flex time and lunch one, two, three, I would study for the exam, USTCP exam and all of that. And so I would create that schedule in blocks in hours almost. And that was stressful. (laughs) I, I could never keep the keep up the uh, the schedule, and I started completely ignoring that that blocking. So then I realized that it's really you know I started writing a book, and I needed to focus on some stuff, and I started launching working on the course. So I decided like this: so off season Mondays and Thursdays will be my client call days, right? And um, now it's actually Tuesdays and uh, Tuesdays only for the accounting firm. Uh, the rest of the t- Wednesday and Thursday are for coaching clients um, only because uh, here's the thing. Most of the holidays fall on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you have to consistently reschedule those people somewhere, if you keep a Monday and then um, also, you know, people get into the, the routine. So the clients that I coach, the accounting clients that I coach um, know that they have a slot on Tuesdays at 10 or Tuesdays at nine or Tuesdays at 11. Um, and that's their slot. And that's when we meet every week or twice a month, depending on their package. And so now it's that. So, but I w- it wasn't like that. It was two days a week before. So I was giving people a choice kind of, and I was working, if I didn't have the calls, I was working on some stuff on Thursday. Um, then Tuesday and Wednesday were my, my creative days. So I would write or, um, or create, record a course or plan a course or whatever and or study I'm I'm always constantly learning and that's kind of what drives me forward and so I would study on those days Fridays I would keep open just in case there is a snow day and I have to like oh Wednesday's a snow day now I I'm I'm home with kids on Wednesday so Friday's my makeup day for that kind of and so that's kind of what I've done um for about a year and then it really worked well for me. So now off season, I work two days a week max. Sometimes it's even one and a half. Sometimes it's even one day a week on this business. And then the rest of the days I do other stuff. I do check my email and I do respond to things if I need to, but it's also at pre-scheduled times. Like I do, I check my email twice or three times a day and that's it. And I'm not responding to people right away because, um, I mean, there's really no emergency in accounting if we talk <laughs> talk about talk about urgent stuff. But people are so used to responding quickly; they're so used to expecting a response quickly that um, I just don't do it, especially if they're not a VIP client. So, so basically, that's kind of how it worked and how it worked out. Now, um, you know, after I've written a book and published it, and I've promoted it heavily and all of that, um, now I'm working on my second book and a third um, and a second ebook as well, and. Uh, preparing for a TED. I have two TEDs coming up. Um, and so I usually dedicate at least one or two days a week to that. During tax season, I work four or five days a week. And so that's still like that, but I'm implementing delegation and I have people working for me so that I can work less. Yep. 
that's kind of how, how it is. And it's much better than it was because now I'm very flexible. If I need to take half a day or a day off, I'm not even guilty about it because I know that I'll get my stuff done anyway. Yeah. It's a nice to hear uh, because this is something I talk about a lot in the mental health presentation I do is just that whole time schedule, blocking things off, making sure that you take time for yourself and knowing where you're going on what day and what time. So there's so much that questions that, that just came out of about that last two sentences that I want to ask, and I'm not sure which way to go. But the first thing, I want to clarify this. You say that Tuesdays or whatever days is for your coaching clients. So this is part of one of your packages then, I assume, is that you do some coaching. Is this almost like a virtual CFO type role or what is the coaching? How do you define your coaching with your clients? So fractional CFO is a different service. Okay. Um, typically, it's not coaching. It's us discussing the trends discussing the balance sheet management, the risk assessment, and all of those things. That's part of a fractional CFO service. And yes, so typically if it's a fractional CFO client and we have a weekly call, uh, it would be on a Tuesday. But also part of my uh, middle package, my middle package includes one call a month where we review the month, we talk about trends, we talk about, um, I answer questions for a client. Um, and you know what I found was that most people believe that they're stupid by accountants because that's just the nature of the accounting uh, personality. <laughs> All right. I suppose <laughs> <And> so. <laughs> um, when we talk to people, they feel like we're talking down to them and they feel like they should know some stuff, but they don't. But the reality is that people have these quote unquote stupid questions that really nobody educates people on. Yep. And I'm talking about uh, what's an HSA? Do I need it? Should I invest in this property? Should I not? That kind of stuff. And so strategic planning and also just other stuff. And I'll give you an example. I had a client, um, a younger guy, he's probably 33 now or so. We, we started working together when he was about turning 30. And so he's a very successful real estate broker in Washington state. And we were talking and he bought my VIP package, which is great because my VIP package includes three monthly calls um, and then quarterly tax calls. That's part of every package, right? Um, my middle package includes one to two calls, depending on the price. So uh, if the clients need a little bit more support, it's going to be twice a month. Um, if they just need ongoing support monthly, we'll just talk um, monthly. And typically after I close the month or we close the month. For, for that client so that we can discuss the numbers and he can ask or she can ask questions and stuff. But the idea is that I've had this client from Washington State. We started working together and first few calls, I'm, I'm telling him, listen, you have to look at your reports weekly. I mean, ideally daily. That's what I have my best successful clients look at their stuff daily and learn to read the black and white reports. Um. And so a couple of weeks go by and at a, on a call, he says, listen, I, I remember you told me to look at the reports and start looking at them. I'm looking, but I don't understand what that means, what I'm looking at. And so that's kind of, to me, is a really great example of how people who are not accountants and maybe not in finance, they don't understand some of the basic mm -hmm. things. Is this an expense? Is that an expense? And we assume they know, they assume that they should know, they feel guilty, they can't really tell you that they don't know and they can't ask questions because they feel embarrassed. And so that's kind of part of the package now where the only package is the bottom package where we don't talk monthly, we just basically um, connect for tax reviews. 
And I don't have a lot of clients on it because clients do want support. They're like, oh my God. And usually when it comes to coming back to price psychology, they're like looking at the packages and they say, it's a question of not whether to buy or not. It's a question of which package should I get? Right. And that's a, that's a really powerful thing. All right. So I love the coaching. I love the three tier. I love the price psychology. This is all stuff. I think just help every firm be more more efficient, run a better practice, have a better work-life balance. I, there's a few things that I want to touch on before we we wrap up and, and we can go in any direction. But another thing that you mentioned, I see you, you, you're you saying these things and I go, oh, I got I to gotta ask about that. <laughs> the courses you're developing, what are these courses? Who are who you educating with courses? So I have several programs you know, besides I do kind of like a private price uh, psychology consulting for accounting firms and businesses, but I also, we also offer, I have partnered with someone on this one program, which is a fractional CFO. It's a live program where we teach you how to do that, how to offer that service, how to price it, how to structure it, how to do all the things so that you can make more money off, off season and kind of diversify your risk and, and also make a lot more money just in general. Yep. And so that's the program we're teaching. The guy, the partner that I'm teaching it with was a C-level executive at CIT Bank, um, chief credit officer and chief, chief investment officer. So he he now works as a private investor, and, meaning that he does turn around business um, situations where business needs a cash inflow now. And he basically structures it with them. But what he has found is that about 50% of those businesses that he does turnarounds for um, have a fractional CFO, a CPA, or an accountant that they also does their taxes, and they're not doing their job as a fractional CFO. So we partnered up and we created that program. Uh, the other two courses that I have are bookkeeping-based. Um, so one of them is a from scratch bookkeeper training, the way I want them for my firm. Um, and that's great for a mom because I think moms can make a lot more money than being a VA, but also yep. can do meaningful work and do it well. So that training is available. And then I also have a um, slightly lower version of that. Um, it's called Bookkeeping for Accountants. It's basically for someone who works at a big four or you know big eight or whatever, big bigger firm where they're part of this conveyor belt operation and they don't are not familiar with small business bookkeeping. So it skips the normal balances, debits and credits, but it does teach on the day-to-day small business bookkeeping and the intricacies of that. Nice. Well, let's stick on that theme then, because I want to touch on two more things before we do wrap up. TEDx, I want to talk about that last. But before that, you did it right, though. You mentioned it earlier. You've got the one book out, in the uh, Dream Bold, Start Smart. And so what was the impetus for that? How did you come up with this idea? And give us a little uh, synopsis of the book. It's actually a really funny story. So uh, for as long as I remember, I wanted to be an accountant, right? Meaning that when I started on the journey, I wanted to be an accountant and I really love accounting. I do love accounting. But I remember in this was 2019. So I got into profit first in like 2019 or so. And then I got invited by Mike Michalowicz, uh, accidentally invited because I was considering writing a profit first derivative book. Hmm. You know, I reached out to him and we talked and, you know, he was like, why don't you come to this event I'm throwing for uh, aspiring or active authors? And I was like, okay. So I came to the event and I had this idea of writing a book on tax strategies plus profit first, some combination of that uh, to basically have a business book, meaning 
business card book so that I can get more business into my business. Right. And as I was sitting there and Mike was, um, was talking about what it's like to be an author, what it's, what it means to be an author, what the journey is and blah, 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 whatever. Uh, I've caught myself thinking that for the first time, probably in six or 10 years at that point, that doing taxes is not everything I want to do. It's not the only thing that I want to do. And I actually, I decided I want to write a book that changes lives. And so what I found was because I, in my practice, I stopped working with startup businesses, meaning the businesses that are starting up, except for funded startups. I decided, okay, I'm getting these clients that are, have been in business already for some time. And I keep finding these mistakes and, um, and these things that they could have done differently and, or better. And, I'm, and I just find myself heartbroken because I think if only they knew how to do it better, And so that's kind of how this book was born. I wanted to write a roadmap for someone who wants to start a business and do it right so that uh, there's less heartbreak, there's less failures and all of those things. Yeah. And so so the book's audience is someone that wants to start up a business or has a business and wants to be smarter about it. I assume that's uh, all right. Nice. The last thing I want to touch on is the TEDx. I know this is something you've been working on. Just I heard a week or two ago that that it's happening. So give us an idea of what's going on with the TEDx. What are you talking about? So the TEDx is going to happen in the University of Cincinnati. And um, my TEDx idea is entrepreneurship is a whole brain craft. And it's a twofold idea. I talk about the fact that entrepreneurship is a craft, which means that it's something anyone can learn, including you, including anybody. I also talk about the fact that accountants, most many accountants, not many, maybe not most, but many accountants treat, call their what they do a practice, not a business. And I've certainly, I'm certainly guilty of that for many years. Yep. And it's a very different mindset. And so um, for non-accountants, um, treating it as a craft, just like a, a book, writing a book, because it is a craft. You can learn the steps in the system, how to do it and how to do it well. Same thing with, with entrepreneurship. And you need a whole brain approach, which means that you need to support your vision, which is your right brain, with numbers always in business. And that's how you make it successful. That's how you make it. And I have examples and stories that I've personally seen in my clients and some of the most amazing clients that I've worked with and some not so much, you know, not so amazing, but that's kind of the idea behind it. So I want to inspire better businesses. Uh, I want people to read their numbers and use them to build build their vision and build the life they want. All right, nice. And this, so this is Cincinnati. Didn't I hear you're doing this twice? Is it the same topic or are you doing it two locations? <laughs> no, the first one is in your University of Cincinnati. The second one, you can't present the same idea on two TEDx stages. And so the second one um, is a, very interesting. It's a high school event, uh, meaning it's a high school stage. And they're looking for more youth-oriented speakers, so topics that are more youth-oriented. And so my topic there, which I haven't yet developed, but there is already a topic, um, is entrepreneurship is a skill for life. Okay. All right. This is awesome. I'm excited to see this. Uh, uh, this is another goal of mine. So I'm going to have to lean on you again <laughs> for uh, uh, figuring out how I'm going to get my own TEDx scheduled. Uh, I really am excited for you. That That's great. So I think it's about time uh, we wrap up. What I want to just ask, is there you know, a final 
thought that you want to share, uh, some motivation, get us out there, get us working. I mean, anything you anything you want to give us uh, to wrap up. And then I'll, after you do that, I got two last questions I'm going to ask you. Yeah. Um, all right. So yesterday I met with this, with a new, with just a networking client, uh, not a client, but prospect and really cool woman. And, you know, she was saying she's a coach and she's intimacy coach. And so she said, oh, you know, I'm charged $200 an hour, but I often knock it down because people can't pay. And I'm like, you know, I used to do that as an accountant many for many, many years, but ever since 2019, I no longer do do it at all. No discounts, no, no negotiation. If you start negotiating your price with me, I walk away. I just, you know, sorry, I can't help you. But the reason I quit my accounting firm in the first place was because I wanted to be free. I wanted to raise my own kids. It was important for me. And then I ended up in the same boat as most accountants where you don't actually do that because you're so busy and you're responsible and hyper, whatever. And so I told her, I feel like I'm stealing from my kids when I give away my time for free or for less than I'm worth. Yeah. And she was like, you're absolutely right. I'm going to stop doing that. So <laughs> that's what I want to leave the audience with. <laughs> All right. Yes, that's that's great advice. All right. The final two questions, and this is two questions everybody gets. One is, and I didn't warn you ahead of time. Um, <laughs> so we talked about this and you know what you're doing business-wise and how you've got better at uh, being more free time and everything else. What do you do with that free time? What's your passions outside of work when you're not out educating or, or running your business or speaking? What are your outside of work passions? Before I tell you about those, I want to say that a lot of the stuff that I do, I'm really passionate about yep. the speaking and the book writing and some accounting, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a very multifaceted person. I mean, people, when they hear about what I do outside of work, they're like, how do you have time to do all of this? And I'm like, I don't have time to do all of this. I just do it. <laughs> right. So like we, uh, we take, my husband and I, we take uh, ballroom dance lessons every week. Um, our friends have a studio actually in our town, which is cool. And um, uh, I also take Krav Maga lessons. It's a mixed martial art, but it's actually much more than a sport. So it's actually a self-defense and stuff, which is awesome. But, um, you know, um, it was a per, you know personal passion of mine for years. I'm into um, guns and weapons. And so I go to range sometimes and train. And, um, I play like the guitar, uh, play the guitar. I don't know any notes. Um, I play just, um, knowing chords and I sing and all of those things. So I do a lot of different things and I study psychology too, which is cool. Wow. <laughs> yes, you do a lot, yeah, but that's cool. Stay busy. Yeah. Uh, and then last question, you know, uh, all this stuff's intriguing and your coaching and your courses. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best place or best way? I live on Instagram because I'm told to do so by my social media people. <laughs> I don't love it, but, you know, I have to. But anyway, so I live there. You can just message me at Tatiana Sawyer, DM or whatever, or my website, TatianaSawyer.com, or a quick shortcut, talk to Tatiana.com for the same website. All right. Well, that's great. Well, Tatiana, this did not disappoint. I appreciate you being on and uh, uh, look forward to talking to you again. So again, thanks for being here. Thanks so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find the show notes for today's episode and learn more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting app. And join us next time for more expertise and insights 
on the Unique CPA. Professional Productions. Dot net.